Blog Talk Radio.
I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I'm your host, So L, and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the hottest radio network on the planet. And the show, The Foundation, where we understand incorrect information, incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information, incorrectly applied can get you hurt. So, you know, we're always applying correct information correctly. This is The Foundation. And we are high frequency. I want to say all, all thanks, honors, praises, accolades to the creator and the ancestors off top. I want to say peace, shout out, salute, you know, all that. Head nod, you know what I'm saying? You know how you, you throw your head up, you know what I'm saying? Head nod, a little. You, know, you throw your head back, just real quick. You know, just real quick, just a little bit, just real quick. That one. And this is to my big brother, uncle. I'm going to call him uncle. I'm going to call him brother. Because he's all these things and more. Teacher, mentor. And that is none other. Yusuf L. HighFrequencyRadioNetwork.com. HighFrequencyRadioNetwork creator. Extraordinaire. Private Science Solutions. Um, SPC University. Now, if you check him out on Twitter, he, you know. My man's expanded, I, you know. That's my brother, man. I love him. So big up to big brother Yusuf L. Welcome to thefoundation.com. It's a great site. It's actually wonderful. You can sign up for the email list. You can find the Facebook page, the Twitter page, you know. Uh, you know, the Instagram page, you know, if you're, if you're into that. You can find them. But definitely check out the PDF section. Just read some stuff, man. Get your learn on. You can as well book a consultation. And finally book a, I'm sorry, make a donation all from the same spot. That is welcometothefoundation.com. Once again, that's welcometothefoundation.com. Again, that's, no, I'm just playing. That's what they be doing on the radio advertisements and stuff. Still don't remember them stupid numbers. I want to say peace to all the listeners. You know that head nod. Y'all get y'all get the head nod too. You know what I'm saying? That head nod, that real quick snap back. Peace. Let's <laughs> say peace to all the live listeners, all the live callers, all the internet listeners, live, all the archive listeners. Special shout out to the archive listeners, as well as the podcast listeners, those who listen through MP3 shares. I don't, you know, how, hey, hey. However you do it, I'm loving it. I appreciate it. As well, I say I want to say, you know, as well, peace to all the trustees in trustee training. I guess I need to be specific. All those invested in their private education, peace to you. I also want to say peace to anyone we've done business with in the private, anyone who sent an email, well wishes, a current event, or otherwise added to the foundation. I got I got to start a little earlier. I think you know this um, this topic warrants. You know, getting in a little earlier. So that's what I did. So, um, with that being said, 
I want to say that uh, Passport, my bad Shake and Bake Layup Some people might be like, what is that? But Passport No Social Part 2 Better known as the Shake and Bake Layup Is live recording Webinar happening this this Saturday Oh, you know Chris L, he only, you know He only asked for Straight up Benjamin Honey Bones For a donation You can jump in live You'll be able to ask um, questions at the end You'll get a hard copy DVD Mailed to you in the mail This is all happening this Saturday Those who have already signed up For the webinar To be on the live webinar um, You'll get your information Regarding what time The webinar will be taking place no later than Friday morning. Just, you know, so you get at least 24 hours, you know, get you get ready for your shaking bake. But that's the Passport No Social Part 2, better known as the Shaking Bake Layup. And that's this Saturday. You know, there's going to be, you know, the webinar is going to be available. You're not going to be able to ask questions. I'm sure it's going to be a little more um, pricey, I guess it's <laughs> But anyways, you know, that's happening this 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 Saturday. It's coming up. That's it. And then we're out of here. Um But you know, like I said, the the D V D will be available afterwards. And um I'm gonna jump into these current events so we can get this moving. Um what banks are planning to do with your quote money. You know what I'm saying? We all know it's fiat. Even still, you know, it's used and required for us to pay bills. Purchase goods and services, specifically food, clothing, and shelter, which, by the way, are the three necessities of life, which are also the three most expensive um, and prohibitive expenses in life. Isn't that crazy? Insidious. But, you know, I've been checking out this this, this paper. I'm going to put you all in the game. This stuff is crazy. I'm reading this stuff. I'm laughing. I'm crying. No, literally, I'm laughing because it's... it's I can't believe what's going on, but we're going to get into that. I want to jump in these current events, man, and we're going to start with obviously what's popping, and that is the Fed keeps rates steady to tailor treasury bill purchases later this year. So, you know, obviously the Federal Reserve held interest rates steady today at its first policy meeting of the year with the head of the U.S. Central Bank pointing to continued moderate economic growth and a strong job market. It may very well be. We believe the current stance of monetary policy is appropriate to support sustained economic growth, a strong labor market, and inflation returning to our symmetric 2% objective. And this, of course, is the 2% inflation objective that the Federal Reserve publicly, publicly um, articulates, which is 2% inflation on the currency equals 2% deflation on the currency. And they want that to happen every two, I'm sorry, every year. They want a 2% inflation on the currency. The other side of the coin is 
um, deflation or inflation. Basically, it's going to inflate prices, which means it's going to inflate the amount of notes that it takes out of your pocket or out of your account to purchase the same goods or services. That's on Reuters. I'm going to move forward because I want to get busy. Reuters again, U.S. fourth quarter goods trade deficit widened, prompting growth forecast cuts. They about to cut the, the forecast. The U.S. goods trade deficit rose sharply in December as imports rebounded and businesses became more cautious on accumulating inventory, prompting some economists, economists, some economists to cut the fourth quarter economic growth estimates. Thanks. Housing market also provided some discouraging news on, well, that's what that was today, with contracts to purchase previously owned homes dropping by the most in more than nine and a half years in December. The housing market has been regaining momentum after slumping in 2018 and the first half of 2019, thanks to lower mortgage rates. Federal Reserve, which cut interest rates three times last year, left them unchanged today, noting that, quote, economic activity has been rising at a moderate rate, end quote. The Commerce said the trade gap, which had dropped for three straight months due to declining imports, surged 8.5%. So the gap is over $68 billion, man. I can't even quantify i can't even fathom a billion dollars man if i got a billion dollars we hey we all free i'm just letting y'all know we all free all of us everybody that hears this if i get my hands when hold on when i get my hands on a billion dollars we all free i'm coming to get everybody i think i'm playing so u.s fourth quarter all bad reuters um where are we gonna get to all right, man, let me just jump into it. Coronavirus outbreak poses risk to United States federal economic outlook. I told y'all this stuff is all connected. The outbreak of a new virus that originated in the central Chinese city of Wuhan is likely to slow China's economic growth, at least in the near term, and could hurt its trading partners around the world. The potential effects of the spread of the coronavirus, which has sickened more than 6,000, mostly in China, and killed 133 since its detection early last month took center stage in U.S. Federal Reserve Jerome Powell news conference following the central bank's widely expected decision to keep interest rates unchanged. The Fed is, quote, very carefully monitoring the situation, end quote. This is what Powell told reporters. While Powell noted that it is quote, too early to say, end quote, what the extent of the impact on the United States will be. He said it is significant, which will have some effects on the Chinese economy, at least in the short term. A Chinese government economist earlier projected the outbreak would cut China's first quarter growth by one percentage point to five percent or lower. Powell also also acknowledged the risks, including the U.S. economy, from any from any slowdown in the world's second biggest economy. Chinese economy is very important in the global economy now, and when Chinese economy slows down, 
we do feel that. Not as much as though as not as much though as countries that are near China or that trade more actively with China, like some of the Western European countries, is what Powell said. What you mean? Pretty much everything I, I'm looking at, everything I got around me is made in China, fam. Flip, flip. Look to your right. Grab that. Flip it over. Made in China. Tell you. China has imposed travel restrictions and shut businesses and schools in an attempt to contain the outbreak, but it has not quelled rising concern among companies and governments across the world, some of whom are taking swift action. Hmm. Businesses, including Apple and Starbucks, are warning of the potential impact on their supply chains and their sales. Starbucks has closed more than half its cafes in China, and Walt Disney shut its resorts and theme parks in Shanghai and Hong Kong during what is usually its busiest time of the year. Alphabet Incorporated, um, Google's parent company, has said it temporarily shut down its offices in China. The coronavirus will likely have the largest negative impact on the goods and services sectors within and outside of China that rely on Chinese consumers and intermediary products. This is Moody's analysts. So a lot of people are talking about this is the black swan, uh, you know, black swan event that could, you know, make the markets go crash down, boom, toast. Me personally, I don't know. But I haven't been doing this for very long. There's people that do this for a living. I do not. You know, I was just, you know, trained a little bit by an Army intelligence officer, and that was that. But, you know, um, ex-Army intelligence officer, my bad. But, um, you know, I, I've never been in the Army. I've never been in intelligence. I've never been, man, I, I barely am around security guards, man. You know, so um, I'm not sure. The biggest thing that concerned me was, was what's going on with Iran. But, you know, I'm not one of those freak out type people. I'm, I'm more of a realist. But, you know, as far as like stocks in these world markets, man, look, that's all fake, weird, poof, sprinkle stuff, sprinkle dust, fairy juice. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've studied Black Swan events. This stuff's weird. You never know what could happen. It could be something, something completely unrelated. But, you know, the Asia stocks slip. Um, and then, you know, some European stocks slipped a little bit. Oh, and then some Euro- the European currency went up because there's this flight, this capital flight that's happening right now. But check this out. CNBC, because I'm, you know, I'm over here talking. Asia stocks slip as coronavirus death toll in China continues to rise. To, um, sorry, rise. Stocks in Asia dipped um, in Thursday morning. Trade as U.S. Federal Reserve. Yeah, it's Thursday over there. Um, they in the future. On the other side of the world, they kept interest rates on hold and investors continued to watch the developments of ongoing coronavirus outbreak. The uh, Nikkei 225 in Japan slipped 3% heavyweight and conglomerate SoftBank Group shed, dang, gee, 1.04% and so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, we'll see. A lot of these countries, especially China, holds United States treasuries. I don't know. What does that mean? Who knows what this means? Trading liquidity tops FX, uh, foreign exchange markets concerns in 2020, according to a survey. This is on Reuters. The ability to buy and sell foreign exchange whenever needed with minimal market impact is seen um, by currency traders as the biggest challenge for 2020, according to an annual client survey by J.P. Morgan published last week. An 
um, in a year when broader market volatility has fallen to record lows thanks to abundant central bank liquidity in global markets. Worries about the availability of market liquidity topped the list of issues facing foreign exchange traders for a second consecutive year in the U.S. Bank's annual survey. The views of the biggest 650 institutional trader clients mostly focused on the $6.6 trillion a day foreign exchange markets polled by J.P. Morgan point to a tricky year ahead for investors. While market liquidity can appear plentiful in calm periods, it can also dry up suddenly, especially in volatile times. After years of cost-cutting and rising competition that has pushed down the number of market participants, perhaps the biggest factor is the drop in market volatility with an index measuring currency market swings near record lows, squeezing the spreads that banks charge when quoting currencies. Margin compression, increased competition, high execution costs, and tech advances has caused forced a few has caused forced a few markets makers to exit. That don't make no sense. Um, has I'm just gonna take out caused has forced a few market makers to exit the space and for liquidity to appear more plentiful than it is in reality. This is Scott Wacker, global head of fixed income currencies. Bottom line, these fools are worried about liquidity. These fools are worried about cash drying up in the markets, which is was a precursor to the economic recession a little over 10 years ago now. And let me say, we're in the longest, this is the longest expansion in history, without a recession, in history. So these fools, you know, everybody's, a lot of people, and smart money's made smart moves, but a lot of people are real spooked when it comes to, you know, availability of cash, availability of liquidity, and, you know, not only how the geopolitical landscape is going to affect these issues, but as well as how, you know, these, um, environmental health with, you know, you got fires going on and you know, everything's on fire as well as, you know, um, the health of, you know, these virus things going down and out of China and stuff, man, you know, this stuff is concerning. And as such gold rises as virus woes persist, fed keeps rates steady. CNBC Gold gained today as worries over economic growth due to fast-spreading coronavirus void safe haven demand as the Federal Reserve left rates steady. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to read. I want to get to this business. But, you know, gold in currency, how about this? Usually, typically, generally, how about that? I like it. Generally, Markets and gold are inversely related. So usually when markets are going up, gold is going down. And when markets are going down, gold and you know precious metals and stuff are going up. As I drank this time, okay, I got like I got like what do you mean? How many I got? I got like one more. Even one more. Now, this for me. It's very interesting. Um, it's, you know, okay, how, how do I phrase this? When it comes to 
I don't really have too much faith when it comes to, you know, this 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 overall monetary policy that we're about to witness unfold. Um, I don't think I don't think there's really too much that can be done to stop it, really. And you know, I don't really when it comes to you know that aspect of you know monetary policy or whatever you know what we're talking about here. This you know this article right here gave me some hope, and you know I don't really have hope when it comes to this thing, when it comes to people putting down paper currency and choosing because that's all we got to do is choosing to do business with precious metals or barters. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't really have faith in that. I mean, there's going to be a few of us who really are into that. You know what I'm saying? But that's really fringe. You know, is what I'm finding out. You know, anything that really inconveniences people, you know, even though, you know, we know it's the right thing to do and it's going to have all these benefits, you know, it's hard for us to do it. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's a psychological thing. But this thing right here, ABC News, I was like, what? And especially in New York City, which is the Empire State, New York. You know, this American empire, this Anglo-Saxon American empire. I was really shook. I was like, oh, you know. But check it out. So ABC News, cashless stores and restaurants banned in New York City. They tried it. City establishments must accept cash payments or face a $1,000 fine. What? I don't believe this. The New York City Council voted Thursday to prohibit businesses from only accepting credit card, debit, or digital payments. There were concerns from elected officials that such stores and eateries discriminated against poor customers who don't have access to bank accounts, according to City Councilman Richie Torres, who drafted the bill. Y'all, I'm flabbergasted. I'm blown away. I can't believe this. This this is heartwarming. Whatever your reason, quote, whatever your reasons. Consumers should have the power to choose their preferred method of payment because it's unconstitutional. It isn't even unconstitutional. I ain't going to silver, man, but don't get me started. Um, this is what he said in new con- news conference before the vote. Uh, the vote, the bill, which will take effect 90 days after it is signaled, makes it illegal for any store to refuse a cash payment from a customer. But there are a few exceptions. Stores can refuse to take denominations larger than $20, and they would be exempt from the ban if they have a machine on site that can load cash onto a prepaid card. I mean, that kind of just, maybe they're charging a fee or something. How does that work? Um, Online and phone purchases will also be exempt from the law, which fines first-time violators $1,000. Torres said this was a win for the city, especially its working-class members. The city's Department of Consumer Affairs reported in October that nearly 11.2% of New Yorkers have no bank account and roughly 22% of city residents used alternative banking services, such as check cashing stores. Um, The bill had pushback from some chain stores and small businesses that were cashless. During a hearing on the the bill in February, those Toros co-founder Leo Kremer said his restaurant chain 
chain implemented the policy as a way to keep a tighter control of its finances and help customers get their meals quickly. Oh, thanks for the help. You don't accept cash. Quote, we are only interested in being cashless because it allows us to make our restaurant more seamless. End quote. Those tours immediately uh, did not immediately return calls, blah, blah, blah. This pop, you know, hey, I think it's a dope. I think it's a dope move. Oh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Look, let me just get into the show because y'all going to understand my doubt once I start talking. And I'm not saying this, you know, to, to scare anyone, you know. Um, I'm officially not giving any legal advice. And, um, you know, I don't rep- represent a law firm. You know, I, don't, I ain't no attorney yet. I don't got none of them, them things in the public, baby. But um, I'm reading this thing. This is what we need to pay attention to, in my opinion. You know, and I know that a lot of people want to talk about trust, and like, like when I talk about that. But I want to talk about monetary po- policy. I might, you know, we might even get it to set off. Like, I just want to start expanding. And all of the expansion is going to be for the benefit of the audience. You know, I'm not really into this. You know, this ain't no clickbait. Ooh, you know what they're going to do with your money. Like, I'm dead serious. I'm absolutely serious. And this is, to me, this is like going to be, this to me is likely some of the most important information of the next decade or so. Because, A, it's going to put us in a position to that we can be able to pivot if we need to. And we're going to see it coming so we can be like, oh, oh, oh here it goes. And, you know, Countries around the world currently have negative interest rates on deposits, depositors. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand what that means. Basically, what it means is if there's negative interest rates on deposits, <laughs> if I deposit $100, you know, the next day I go to, go to take it out, it ain't $100, fam. You know, it's... it's uh. and maybe 70 cents or something. And or even say if it's 10 10 cents, it's like 1%. Like, I don't care if it's 10, if it's 1%, it's 10 cents. So just having this $100 on deposit, I'm losing 10 cents every day that the money's on deposit. Look, the reason why they want to do this and the reason why it matters is, A, most of us save in cash. We have savings accounts, we have, uh, which are cash, quote. You know, we have uh, 401Ks, IRAs that are denominated in cash, you know, quote, cash, currency. And the issue is, ultimately for me, is that my changes in monetary policy. Um, which is the medium of exchange, this legal tender for all debts, public and private, affects us the most, you know? And uh, in, in this, they point out that they know that, you know? And, and look, I, I went through this, I was reading this, I'm like, okay, look, I'm just going to read this whole thing, you know what I mean? But then I was like, man, this thing's probably going to be boring, and, you know, and I set up this area around me, you know what I mean? Uh, so I had, some, I had a little bit of music, and I had an incense burning and stuff. I had some medicine, and, you know, everything was good. But once I started reading this thing, I couldn't put it down. And, like, I didn't cry. There was a couple times where I got emotional, though. There was a couple times where I actually laughed at the absurdity of what was being said. There was also a couple times where I got upset, where I felt that the way 
this was being spoken of was in such a dismissive way to people who it was going to affect so heavily. Um, it was very infuriating for me, you know. Uh, bottom line, it's not about emotions. You know what I'm saying? It's about facts and what we do with the facts. It's not about being scared. It's not about any of that stuff. Um, but, you know, in order to be able to formulate a plan or, you know, make proper moves, we have to have the proper facts. Um, bottom line, the name of this paper is called um, the IMF Working Paper, um, Enabling Deep Negative Rates to Fight Recessions. It's a guide. You can find it at the International Monetary Fund website. It's a working paper, so they label it WP. And um, it's WP forward slash 19 forward slash eight four. So I think if you do if you type in IMF working paper WP forward slash nineteen forward slash eighty four, you're gonna find this joint. And you can look at it yourself. Now I don't expect you to read it, man. It's crazy. It's like man, it's like eighty eight pages if you include the citations. And it's 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 not it's not an easy read, fam. I'm not you know, no, you know, whatever. But bottom line is, is um, the experience of the Great Recession and its aftermath revealed that a lower bound on interest rates can be a serious obstacle for fighting recessions. How? It, hold on. When they're talking about the lower bound on interest rates, a bound boundary, so a lower bound. So currently. Um, yeah, at least in the United States, there's a boundary at zero percent. You can't like there's there's no, really no precedent for pushing interest rates down below uh, zero into negative territory. Now there's precedents in other you know countries, Sweden and other that stuff, but not here. All right, so the breaking below um, the zero lower bound. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about hitting interest rates under zero percent. Um, However, the zero lower bound is not a law of nature. It is a policy choice. So they're saying it's not it's not a law of nature. It's a policy choice. They can choose whenever they want. But man, look, the central message of this paper is that with readily available tools, a central bank can enable deep negative rates whenever needed, thus maintaining the power of monetary policy in the future to end recessions within a short time. This paper demonstrates that a subset of these tools can have a big effect in, in enabling, excuse me, deep negative rates with administratively small actions on the part of the central bank. So really the central bank, so the, the, uh, the Federal Reserve don't really have to do too much, you know? It doesn't, hey, we, hey, we, we done, hey. Okay, so uh, I'm going to move forward. Uh, so I'm going to jump ahead. I got some stuff underlined. Um, we argue the best approaches for enabling deep negative rates, uh, both at a minimum distance from the current monetary framework and the least costly politically. <laughs> Yo, so basically they're saying... Um, at a minimum distance from the current monetary framework. 
So, you know, they they want to, A, have it, have it very close or at a, you know, a minimum distance from the current framework of how the monetary policy is set up. And it's going to be least costly to the um, politics, political politics, elections. Um, uh, so basically, the senators didn't do it. Your, the, your state representatives didn't do it. Um, your district representatives, and of course, all this is in the public, but they didn't do it. You can't blame them for it because there's, they don't want any cost politically. So they want to do. They want it to be done. I mean, look, rely. Look, the clean approach, which is an electronic money system that takes per, paper currency off par. So they, they're talking about several different approaches. One of the approaches is um, you're taking paper currency or cash, what we have, and making it less valuable than the uh, electronic credits in an account. So if you got $100 in cash, it's not as valuable as $100 in credit or $100 yeah, in credit, not credit cards, but in a, you know, in a, in a checking account credited with 100 bucks. You walk in to the bank to deposit $100, they give you a receipt saying you deposited $80. But um, relying on banks for transmission of a negative rate of return on paper currency reduces the implementation burden and political cost associated with negative rates. When working through banks, anything that would be a political problem, man, for the central bank... (laughs) Yo, and this is one of the parts, this is where I first laughed. When working through banks, anything that would be a political problem for the central bank becomes a customer relationship management problem for the commercial banks. These are your credit unions, your Wells Fargo's. Instead of the direction of anger being pointed toward the the Federal Reserve and the Intermonetary Fund, the the anger focus is going to be on the the banks like it was last time on that Occupy Wall Street that really didn't go anywhere and really didn't do anything because these bankers walked away with a whole bunch of money and the Americans didn't do anything. So we're going to do that again. Commercial banks commercial banks are likely to be better and more experienced in dealing with customer relations problems. <laughs> Even those with a new twist. <laughs> <laughs> um then central banks are at dealing with grassroots political problems. Feel what I'm saying? Um, and then, like I said, this is, people were mad at the banks last time. And being mad at the banks specifically dissipated uh, political pushback. There, you know, there was an uproar to politicians and representatives in the public but it wasn't really towards them. It was towards the bankers, and you're supposed to, hey, do this new bank policy. And they did. They did a whole bunch of regulation, which is being unwound right now, currently. But look, I'm going to move forward, man. I got some other stuff. Okay, so boom. The role of banks and the private sector financial system in transmitting the negative paper currency interest rate and whether the approach requires quantity restrictions on cash or instead relies on the price system to adjust the value of paper currency. So they, they, they talk about quantity restrictions on cash, which means, you know, you can only deposit a certain amount of money in an account, a certain amount of cash, quote my bad, 
in an account. There's a cutoff. So they're like, oh, you know, we're not going to let you deposit that much into the account. You can only do, you know, this much into the account. Otherwise, there's a penalty fee or, you know, who knows exactly, man. This stuff is crazy. Um, At a minimum distance from the current monetary framework and the least cost politically, they keep saying this thing. Uh, are those that both rely on banks for transmission and do not impose quantity restrictions on cash. So they're basically saying let the banks impose these restrictions and don't um, restrict the quantity of cash. This is one of their one of their um, one of their frameworks. They have four different frameworks. There's four different frameworks on how to, how they're going to implement these policies, and ultimately, which 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 what is they're going to do is they're going to put the interest rates. At negative, you're going to realize, we are going to realize that <coughs> we're losing money by having it in the bank. So what does that do? If the, and, and look, if there's restrictions on withdrawals, you can only pull out $50. And look, the reason why I got interested in this, because, you know, we all, I mean, maybe you haven't, but you've heard about that Zimbabwe, like $100 trillion bill or something like that when they were in hyperinflation. You know, all these all these different currencies have rolled over in different countries, you know, and it's all good. But I'm telling you, I think it was 2016, 20. I don't remember what it was, but Greece, man, they had a crisis in Greece and the banks imposed withdrawal limits and they closed the banks and, and they only had ATMs running. Look, and they had Europeans in long lines waiting to get cash out complaining it wasn't Zimbabweans it wasn't man look man and that's when I was like ooh um and I you know to throw that card into it but you know it just made me really pay attention um so the adjustment of the value is going to be through policy and adjusting um, the current monetary frame, framework, the least costly politically, is going to be through uh, monetary policy, which is run by the Federal Reserve, which will produce in- inflation. They have another approach, the clean approach, which is an electronic money system that takes paper currency off par. And they have a rental fee approach. Let me keep moving, blah, blah. Okay, so... <laughs> The third organizing principle is useful in establishing a typology for range of possible approaches, but is normatively less consequential than whether the central bank relies on the private sector for transmission and whether it works through the price system. And the price system would be them reducing the value of the currency. I'm telling you, man, this stuff is insidious. Then I have to even look the fact that I even because look, and I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence. You know, I'm just trying to make this as easily understandable as possible. Um, commercial banks are likely to be better and more experienced in dealing with customer relations problems, even with the new twist. So they say it again. As for implementation, all but one of the approaches we present that work primarily through commercial banks and the private sector financial system require implementation only at the cash window of the central bank. So they're going to implement the policies at the cash window of the central bank and then let it trickle down from there. 
After minimalist implementation, the central bank can leave the rest up to the private sector. One key aspect of bank transmission approaches is that the less the central bank does and more is done by commercial banks, look at this, the less new legislation, legislation, wow, the less new legislation is likely to be needed. So the focus of, of this paper is how to implement these policies without having to pass new laws, which means without having representatives and, and of districts and, and, and states and delegates or whatever within, within state, uh, Senate, House, Congress, and Federal Congress, House, Senate. They don't have to push it through. There's no, there's no question and answer period for the public. So the, for me, the implications of this is plain. Approaches relying on the price system to create a negative paper currency interest rate are better because imposing quantity restrictions on cash is likely to lead to a more drastic change in the way people transact. And in some approaches require a higher administrative burden to implement. It's going to cost more money. Is what they're saying. Avoiding drastic changes in the way people transact avoids one possible source of political opposition. Thus, it is likely that bringing about a negative paper currency interest rate using the price system is likely to face fewer and less intense political challenges. Um, we argue that approaches that rely on banks and the price system for transmission are at a minimum distance from the current monetary system and likely to carry the least political cost. Minimum distance from the monetary system. Even if you try to make changes in legislation in the monetary system in the in the countries, it doesn't matter because the central banks are implementing the policies. Man, look, the clean the, the clean approach which creates an exchange rate between two forms of money: paper currency and elec- electronic currency. And y'all check this out: USD coin. United States dollar coin, USD coin. They already got this little crypto coin. Look, fam, search it. Look it up. I'm going to keep going while y'all do that. Nevertheless, reducing political costs where that is consistent with sweeping away any lower bound on interest, putting it below zero, is not only directly helpful, but also makes the financial markets more likely to believe that the central bank will be bold enough to pursue a vigorous negative interest rate policy. They try to bleach smoke screens. Also makes the financial markets more likely to believe that the central bank will be bold enough. They want them to think stuff. Man, they got this. And it says, we take the stance of the central banks. Not the stance of the people, not even stance of the commercial banks. They take the stance and the position of the commercial banks. A key complementary policy that can calm the political waters is to encourage and support support banks. Check this out, y'all. In providing zero interest rates on small deposit accounts, even in situations where a wide range of assets including large deposit accounts, are subject to negative interest rates. So what, we're, what we are going to see 
we are going to see net interest hit everyone but us. At least that's what it's going to look like. They're going to say, oh, if you have a, if you're, if, if you don't have that much money, if you meet income requirements, we will not impose negative interest rates on your deposits. We are the banks. We're here for the common people. We view this um we view the this complementary policy as important enough to all the approaches we discuss that no criticism of an approach is apt if it is leveled at a version of the approach that it is stripped of this complementary policy of encouraging and supporting the provision of zero rates to small deposit accounts. Basically saying if y'all don't do that, if y'all don't um give the small people the smaller accounts and exemption, this stuff ain't going to work. You're going to have political costs. They, you're going to be political unrest. These fools are going to riot. They're going to burn all your stuff down. They're they going to try to catch you. An alternate line of thinking for generating a negative percentage interest rate on cash focuses on depreciation mechanism for paper currency. Such ideas involve distinguishing between paper currency and electronic money. With electronic money being the unit of account, or the real thing. <laughs> the electronic thing. Look, the distinction makes it. I'm trying not to laugh. The distinction makes it possible because this ain't funny. This distinction makes it possible to engineer a depreciation, a, a loss in value of paper currency relative to electronic currency. So it's worth less. The dollars, the cash physical dollars are worth less than the electronic dollars, fam. Thereby discouraging massive paper currency storage when faced with negative interest rates. Yo, so we're going to put negative interest rates on your deposit accounts. And we're going to say the cash that you have is worth less than what you got in your accounts. Yo, these people, yo. Another approach uses tax policy. Public finance theories theories continue continues to identify tax policy equivalents to non-tax policies. The tax approach involves identifying the tax policy equivalent to negative interest rates. To achieve the equivalent of deep negative interest rates in tax policy, the tax approach involves engineering an increasing path of consumption taxes, a decreasing path of labor taxes, and a temporary investment tax credit. So consumption taxes, food, that's consumption, gas, that's consumption. Clothing, that's consumption. Basically, the stuff that we need to live our lives. They're talking about increasing path of consumption taxes, decreasing of labor taxes, so companies, employees, I'm sorry, employers pay less taxes on labor costs, and temporary investment tax credits. So if you put the money in these stock or equity or stock market investments, we will exempt it from tax. Bam! The increasing path of consumption taxes over time generates inflation in final goods consumers' prices. I'm sorry, in final good consumer prices. So what that it do is they increase the path of consumption taxes. It will increase um, the final price of goods that we pay. This affects us. Ooh, you, hey, you're going to get an exemption. 
on your deposit account. We're not going to put negative interest rates on that. We're just going to raise the price of what you consume, the prices of gasoline, the prices of food, the prices of water, the prices of fam, milk, the prices of uh, uh, the the Similac powder for your daughter. You know what I'm saying? Like, the decreasing path of labor taxes avoids any disincentive for work from the rising consumption taxes. So basically, we're like, oh, well, you're going to get a little bit more money. The temporary investment tax extends the equivalent of negative interest rates to investment goods. <laughs> Yo. All right. Not all banks, however, have direct asset access to Federal Reserve cash window, as some smaller banks maintain the required reserve at larger banks, known as correspondent banks. Did y'all know that? Smaller banks are known as correspondent banks. Instead of directly at the Fed, the smaller banks typically obtain cash through their correspondent banks by paying a small fee for the service. The larger banks act as an intermediary. They get the cash from the Fed and pass it on to the smaller banks. I find that interesting. I think that's interesting. For example, just as central banks determine the relative value of different denominations of paper currency by how they treat them at the cash window, such as two $10 bills or a $20 bill, they can also determine how much, say, a paper dollar is worth compared to an electronic dollar in a reserve account by how they treat the paper currency at the cash window. Alternatively, Central banks can charge a rental fee for paper currency issue. Suppose the Fed wants to establish a negative 1% paper currency interest rate at the cash window. Then, at the beginning of the year, it will stand to exchange paper currency for electronic currency at par with banks at the cash window. At the end of the year, when a commercial bank comes to ca- come to the cash window, the central bank can hand it a $100 note. To have the money put into its reserve account, the Fed would only add $99 to that commercial bank's reserve account. And B, when a commercial bank came to the cash window of the Fed and asked for a paper $100 note, only $99 would be deducted from its reserve account. Note that this is, <coughs> excuse me, note that this exchange rate will predictably and gradually change throughout the year as the, per the principles of compound interest. A $100 paper note would be worth $99.92.92 electronic dollars at the end of the first month, $99.83 at the end of the second month, and $99.75 at the end of the third month, and so on. Telling you, man, this is equivalent to creating a crawling exchange rate between the two forms of money. They're going to create a crawling exchange rate between the two forms of money, cash and, quote, electronic money, and they're going to do it at the cash window, and we're not even going to know how it happened. In the above example, the appreciation rate is negative 1% per annum, which is equal to the um, PCIR. I forgot what that is. That stands for. Uh, per, uh, percentage rate on in, uh, per cash uh, interest rate. Something, something cash interest rate. This mechanism creates a crawling peg between the two types of currencies. In this case, with the paper currency smoothly depreciating by 1% over the course of a year. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, the central bank has unlimited firepower for defending any exchange rate it declares between different forms of money under its jurisdiction. To overcome the zero lower bound, the clean approach requires combining a the non-zero paper currency interest rate at the cash window using an exchange rate and b using electronic money as the unit of account. This is what's going to happen. <clears throat> this is how they're going to go to a cashless society, and they're going to do it through negative interest rates. But this is how they're going to do this cashless society push. My bad. The public is. Now, we can choose to be a part of that through ignorance and not doing anything. Or we can choose to, you know, get, do our dance in five alternative forms of currency, such as gold, silver, you know, maybe even some Bitcoin. But that stuff, there's nothing backing it. It has value, but there's nothing backing it. So I know if I got an ounce of silver, that'll never go to zero. But, <coughs> excuse me, retailers who regularly accept both cash and cards would have the option of applying a store-wide paper currency surcharge assessed at checkout as sales taxes now are in the U.S. So they're saying in the United States, those they already used to sales taxes. Although retailers could do this, they would not be required to. That is, while arbitrage would ensure that the exchange rate would hold throughout the financial system, it need not hold all, at all retail shops that deal regularly with both cash and credit cards. Many retail shops accept at-par credit card payments that are worth as little as 97%. They're saying a lot of, a lot of these um, retail shops will let you run their card for a $100 shirt, even though they're not even going to get $100 from you out of that transaction because they got to pay the credit card fees. And that's why a lot of places now, they're going to tell you there's a minimum credit card uh, transaction. You got you to gotta buy at least five bucks. Or, you know, six bucks worth because that makes it worth it to them over the course of the day or the week or the month. However, they got it figured out. Because there's fees, fam. Um, where am I at? The effective exchange rate at the cash. Uh, if, the, if this deposit fee gradually increases over time during a period of negative interest rates, it blocks what otherwise might be an arbitrage opportunity of withdrawing storing, and later redepositing paper currency. In the clean approach, the deposit fee would be the net deposits, which ignore, ignoring other transaction costs would establish an exchange rate, the price of any paper dollar in terms of electronic dollars of reserves. <laughs> Fam. Where we at? Where we at? Um, Thus, a time-varying paper currency deposit fee effectively takes paper currency off par into a crawling peg regime. In this crawling peg regime, gradual depreciation of paper currency relative to reserve generates a negative nominal, nominal rate of return for paper currency, where nominal is measured with a dollar of reserves as a uh, numeric. The clean approach generates a negative rate of return paper currency located anywhere. Imagine a drug lord, and they be talking about drug lords heavily in this thing. And in my opinion, they're they're attempting to demonize those who use and like and appreciate cash. And how look, these central banks introduced cash. They they tricked people from gold and silver certificates, pulled the gold and silver out of circulation, issued Federal Reserve notes. And certain types of different fiat currencies, and now they're demonizing people who use it and store it. Insidious, I'm trying to tell y'all, man. Where was I at? I was over somewhere with the um, 
with the drug lord. Where's the drug lord? Man, I lost my place. Oh, my bad. The drug lord's cash is also only accepted at a discount. The gradual and key increase during the negative interest rate period means the drug lord's cash of cash is also earning a negative return. And this is, like I said, this is insinuating anyone or family holding cash for drug lords, fam. The ability to vary paper currency interest rate along with other key interest rates, which can be modified by standard means even in negative territory, makes it possible to stimulate investment and net exports as much as needed to revive the economy. So basically what they're doing is they're stealing value out of the currency to put it in the economy, fam. First, there's likely to be psychological and computational cost associated with paper currency being away from par. Anything new is likely to worry people whether or not there is a good reason to worry. Beyond the psychological cost, there would be some computational cost, most consequentially for households. Even then, the cost is only incurred by households when retailers pass through a non-par exchange rate. If old debt contracts are not stated in terms of the electronic unit of accounts, then borrowers may have an option to repay in paper currency when paper currency is cheaper than par. Look, man, this problem can be addressed by legislation clarifying that debt contracts should be interpreted as referring to units of electronic bank money or alternatively by debt contracts including clauses to handle situation when paper currency is away from par. For example, the United States gold clauses, which after being banned in 1933, have been legal again in the U.S. since 1977. And they serve as a precedent for electronic payment clauses. And this is why I'll be like, when you grabbing gold and silver, even like, and I push carrot bars because it's a great, opportunity to get your hands on some gold even if you got a little bit of money but i ultimately say get your get enough carrot bars up to a 30 31.1 grams and exchange that in for an american eagle ounce of gold because in 1984 okay so they they outlawed um the private ownership of gold in 1933 and then it was repealed in 1977 or made legal again. I don't know. You know, maybe it wasn't repealed. Maybe it was just made legal again. So I ain't going to say um, repealed. <clears throat> and in 1984, the IRS proposed legislation that numismatic coins were non-confiscatable. And in 1985, they created the American um, Gold Eagle Program. And I think in 86, they did the American Eagle Silver coin program and those are the only coins designated as numismatic by congress because they're saying that this confiscation of gold could be a precedent for um the the electronic payment clauses third there can be confusion costs associated with people still thinking in terms of paper currency fourth if some prices are sticky in paper currency then this could increase the cost of higher inflation rate in um, terms of the paper currency Okay, check this out. For instance, a reduction in electronic transaction fees through innovation that disrupts the credit and debit card oligarchy 
could lead merchants to encourage greater use of electronic payments. Is that a prophecy? I think that's a prophecy. I think they're saying there might be some sort of innovation that disrupts the credit and debit card um, oligarchy, oligopoly, oligy. That would lead merchants to encourage greater use of electronic payments. Central banks, in this context, the recent exploration by some central banks of the idea of issuing a central bank digital currency that is widely accessible, digital form of fiat money could also be helpful. Such innovations are likely to further reduce the role of cash and increase the share of electronic transactions in the economy. So this is twofold. They're going to stimulate the economy in recessions and stimulate the transition from cash to electronic. Um, all right, man. So I'm running out of time. I ain't finna read all this. I know there's some. There's a couple other things I wanted to touch on. The Fed will generate a negative one percent by announcing a one percent per annum rental fee for commercial banks withdrawing paper currency from the cash window. Okay. Okay. So. The rental fee. Okay, so they're talking about a rental fee. So basically, what is rented is the paperness. <laughs> of a given amount, man. Come on, man. It puts substantial burden on commercial banks to figure out how to transmit or transform the rental fee imposed at the cash window when they provide paper currency to their customers. Uh, transform or transmit. So they basically want to pass that. They're going to pass that uh, fee on to the customers. I'm telling you, on top of negative interest rates, man. They gonna look, man. <laughs> I'm not even playing. I'm not even playing. I'm just reading this stuff. Um, that is up to the bank to figure. Okay, so look. Inter, <clears throat> in interlocking clauses, a central bank can put any bank with access to cash window on the hook for whatever paper currency interest rate the central bank decides to charge <clears throat> and on the bank's cumulative net withdrawals of paper currency after a certain date. Um, and this is regardless of who actually ends up with the paper currency. Then it is up to the bank to figure out how and whether to pass it on to the customers, the negative um, paper currency interest rate. It faces on the extra. Um, <clears throat> they're over here making look. They're over here making um, provisions for um, um, if a bank went bankrupt after withdrawing a large amount of cash at the cash window and handing off that cash to favored individuals. Look, man. They, they're, tr- they're trying to think of anything. Um, so, like I said, the Swiss National Bank is negative. The Bank of Japan is negative. So far, these central banks charge um, negative interest rates through the formula for interest on reserves, but there's no reason it needs to stop there if very large amounts of paper currency are withdrawn. So they're putting forth the case that the national, the Swiss National Bank and the Bank of Japan are already at uh, zero interest rate policies, and it's not happening, and um, there's no reason that they should stop there. The main remaining the main remaining concern for the central bank is about how to facilitate the efforts of commercial banks to pass on the negative interest rate of the paper currency in some form to other parts of the economy, and that would be us, namely 
This concern is only about minimizing side effects, establishing a negative interest rate at the cash window in line with the target rate of interest reserves. Man, let me keep going. Uh, Cuts in the interest rates tend to reduce default probabilities of those borrowing from banks. So this is a pro. So when they when they lower um, uh, interest rates, it tends to reduce default probabilities um, from those borrowing from banks, both because lower interest rates reduce interest burden and um, improve their ability to service debts, and because lower interest rates improve corporate profitability and the income of households due to improvements in the economy. Net interest income is defined as a difference between interest income and expense. Interest, okay. Yeah, yeah. Evidence suggests that cuts in interest rates in the negative region cause net interest margins to fall for those banks that have the heaviest reliance on retail deposits. This is where they're going to get in. Um, overall, the empirical literature finds very benign effects of the negative rates on bank profitability thus far across all countries that have experimented with negative rates. You're looking good for the banks on the policy. Yeah. In principle, the bank could charge such a rental fee on net cash out to a customer. But what does it stop a, a customer from withdrawing a large amounts of cash and cutting the ties with the banks? <laughs> this is inaugurated with the intentional bankruptcy discussed above. <laughs> so they, they get, even if a contract still obligated the former customer to keep paying the rental fee on the net cash out, it is a lot of trouble for the bank to track down the customer. As a result, the commercial banks are likely to charge a substantial one-time fee on withdrawal of cash to make it worth <clears throat> to make it worth their while to give out the cash. They got they got everything. They got everything. With cash, look, with cash withdrawal limits per ATM transaction, for example, when the withdrawal limit per transaction is $200 and the ATM withdrawal fee is $3, withdrawing $600 will require three transactions and can incur a $9 uh, fee. On the other side of the coin, some banks now charge higher fees at the teller window than at the bank's ATM and in order to discourage human use of tellers and save on staffing costs. It is a short step from these existing practices to charging a fee for cash withdrawal at both the ATM and at the teller window, as would be important when banks remain on the hook for the rental fee of the paper currency. To make the ATM and teller window fees more acceptable for customers, banks would allow each customer to withdraw cash up to a limit every month without any fees, whether or not that is subsidized by a central bank. To mitigate the risk of business withdrawing a large quantity of cash and cutting ties with the banks, banks could choose a maximum amount of cash they are willing to rent out. All right, let me get to these points. I know there's a spot. Gresham's Law. Because I want to end this off. Because <clears throat> we got about 10 minutes left in the broadcast. This, is, this, this thing is, I suggest if you can, um, we see four virtues of tying the amount of deposits with the central bank that a private bank can get zero interest rates on the amount households balance up to a given per adult limit. It takes care of the profitability problem of the banks. The limit defining what amounts of money are over the limit provides a marker for banks in explaining to customers that large accounts will have the over limit amount subject to negative interest rates. This should make the pass through to large accounts a bit easier for banks. So basically saying large accounts that aren't <clears throat> going to be exempted from negative interest rates like, you know, 
uh, consumer accounts, like smaller family accounts, they're, they're, they're telling these people what to tell them. And they're saying, um, <clears throat> uh, fortunately, the experience in Switzerland and Sweden suggests that more sophisticated bank customers who have large accounts or have commercial accounts adjust quickly to negative interest rates after a few weeks of bitter complaining. Effectively charging large depositors and paying to pay for the small deposits. And this this is what they're saying. They're saying that the negative interest rates on the large deposits, the large accounts at the bank, will pay for what they lose in exempting the small accounts. And they're saying that the experience in Denmark suggests that more sophisticated bank customers who have large accounts or commercial accounts adjust quickly to negative interest rates after a few weeks of bitter complaining. But the shield from negative interest rates, those, um, but uh, shield, I'm sorry, hold on. The objective of a two-tier system is to have negative interest rates prevail generally in the markets, but shield from negative interest rates those who are the least able to understand negative interest rates and perhaps to accomplish a bit of redistribution as well. And so this is, this is a redistribution of wealth. They're talking about, and check it out. Worrying about redistribution per se is typically not mandated central bank objective in the context of the monetary policy. Monetary policy actions do not have redistributive effects. For example, there's been criticism of regressive redistribution effects of quantitative easing. By contrast, the policies proposed here do not present such concerns in the fact that they have the opposite impact by redistributing towards lower income households. Although net not redistribution towards the poorest of the poor because they, they may not have a bank account. So eh, the positive in this stuff as we go negative and do the cashless society. All right, all right, right. So real quick, <clears throat> um, focusing first on household depositors, here are some of the ways commercial banks might discourage large cash withdrawals. And y'all tell me if y'all recognize any of this, you know what I'm saying? Um. Wow. They get they giving way. They, look, they giving them ways. This is the blueprint on how to do this. Put fees on each withdrawal transaction at banks' own ATMs and impose a maximum amount for each cash withdrawal. Um, maximum amount already exists on most accounts. Two hundred, three hundred. Some some cards you can do five hundred, but that's about it. So they've already done that. I recognize that. Impose similar fees at the human teller window. I've seen no such evidence of this yet. Alternatively, discontinue cash withdrawals at the teller window, directing customers to ATMs. Um, this is currently being encouraged by Bank of America, Wells Fargo. They're putting up these like um, tellerless, uh, I'm sorry, humanless tellers. Um, I think Bank of America, they only have one counter for the tellers, and the one I, the last one I was in had six spots, three on each side where you can go and they had a camera on your face and if you had a problem you could pick up the little line and talk to someone sitting in front of a backdrop. Um, 
keep and um, keep low inventory of cash in the branch and other than ATMs themselves. So tellers could often tell customers, honestly, I can't. I don't have enough cash here at my window. Um, I recognize that. I've even had um, some banking institutions say we need two or three days to order the cash, which is a, a discouraging me- measure. Whether or not they have the cash, it doesn't take two or three days to get it. Um, although household depositors are likely to feel a bank's policies are more fair if there is an exemption amount, if they sense that paper dollar in the wild is more valuable than a dollar in the bank, they are likely to withdraw more than in normal times. The worst case in regard, which would lead to many withdrawal um, cash, they easily sell the paper currency at premium to businesses that were centralizing paper currency storage. And then they get into like how to um, mitigate the, the rise of businesses that um, offer services of cash storage that aren't negative. So like I give you a hundred bucks and you give me back a hundred bucks and the fee for you holding the actual cash is less than the negative interest rates of the bank. Um, all right. That's, and what else? There was something, um, The primary purpose of restricting currency flows in and out of the country is to avoid offshore money, market mutual funds backed by paper currency, and offshore paper currency storage businesses. And they've already done this with gold. Um, reduce use of banking system, which is disintermediation. All right, man, there's, a, there's like something that I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, here we go. There's always some demand for paper currency to keep secrets from the government and others. For example, paper currency is needed for tax evasion and other illegal activities. I mean, look, demonizing, you, oh, you guys are so, you're, you're so bad for wanting to use cash. Um, for cash hoarders doing a large share of transactions in cash instead of using electronic means of payment, make it look suspicious. Nevertheless, the likelihood of widespread disintermediation, not using the banks, at least by small-time agents who only need to do small-scale paper currency storage, is a big problem with the prohibition approach. Um, The benefit to boosting aggregate output outweighs the cost of providing an inefficient subsidy to holders of cash. I mean, these fools are tripping. All right, man, where is it? Where is it? They made a statement in here. Um. Paper currency is itself an asset. Okay, paper currency is itself an asset of the central bank. I think that's cold. I think that's dope. If it's an asset to the bank, what is it to you, the holder? People using paper currency for tax evasion may well have a high marginal propensity to consume more. But the more serious criminals who hold most of the rest of the paper currency by value probably have a low marginal propensity to consume. They're not spending it as much. Laundering money through business le- businesses legitimate enough that it is safe to spend the money takes time. So for the most financially success- successful criminals, consumption must often be deferred. Look at this. Think of the trouble the protagonists in Breaking Bad had in spending their money in the present without calling too much attention to themselves. So look, look. So if you have you you got cash, you like those methamphetamine drug creators and dealers from the show called Breaking Bad. Dang, they're gonna demonize. They're gonna demonize. All right, man. Having fun with the rise of serving the function. 
These these got they got hopes and dreams. That's hopes and dreams. Where was I at? Cutting taxes or raising spending adds to the national debt. I bet you didn't know that. Come on, man. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. Oh, here we go. Framing a rate cut as a response to another country's actions could be politically beneficial in some circumstances. Uh, those within the company who want to champion a new business. Okay, so they want, they're talking about a new stuff. True motive. All right. All right, look. I'm just going to wrap this up. Look. When it comes down to this currency, this fiat currency, these these dollar bills, you know, there's there's multiple layers to this monetary system. Um, one of the highest layers to this monetary system currently is the International Monetary Fund. International Monetary Fund. And I don't care what anyone says. What they put in these papers is either already happening or is it going to happen. And um, technically, the International Monetary Fund is the only um, solvent, the only solvent bank. It's the only bank that's solvent. And when all this pops off, their policies, because they got these SDRs, these special drawing rights, which they, they've already talked about using as money, and they're saying that the, the normal people couldn't get their hands on the SDRs as cash. It would only be like large corporations and companies, which would encourage some sort of corporate money. I'm not going to get into that. Um, what I am going to get into is the overall structure is, is large. Um, the policy is being implemented and created by those who really don't have our best interest in it. They really just care about whether or not it's going to be um, an issue, whether we're going to break stuff, basically, or not. Um, they are not thinking about us. Ultimately, negative interest rates is taking more of the value of the currency than they're already taking by taking 2% on inflation. Um, This is not real money. Currency is not real money. Even with how the policy is, if you don't know where real money is, you're done. In the public, you're taught to save, save, save. And you're going to save yourself into poverty because the currency that you're saving is over time losing value. Let them implement some of these policies even further. And I don't care how much, oh, it's $15. Minimum wage is $15. Minimum wage, it doesn't matter. If what you could buy for $50 last last june now costs you 75 dollars or 100 dollars 
The pay increase is nominal. doesn't matter. We're still a slave. We have no control over this currency. Um, they're going to start popping it off. And they're going to do it to battle recessions is what they're doing. Central banks, they want to they fight recessions. And it's going to encourage people to spend their money, their deposits. And if you're a saver and you got a large uh, bank account, I'm, let me let you know, the thresholds you're not going to be able to reach because they're talking about large commercial accounts. It's it's not cool, man. It's not cool at all. It, it has very widespread implications, especially if you have a pension or, you know, some sort of retirement account that's paying in Federal Reserve notes in fiat currency, and you're depending on that to live. After you retire, you're no longer making income off off the exchange of your labor. This is a serious thing. Um, I can't get into the seriousness of this. I know a lot of this stuff is probably over most people's heads, but I did my best to make it, you know, um, understandable. I suggest that you download this. You go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash high frequency and you download this episode. It's in the, you click on the episode, it's in the top right-hand corner somewhere. It's like three, look, it's, it's an icon. It's like a download icon or whatever. And listen to this as many times as you have to in order for you to kind of pick up on what I'm saying because this is very important. This affects you. This affects your families. This affects your next generations. This is serious. And this is one of the reasons why I heavily push exchanging some of your paper currency every time you get your hands on it. I don't care if you get a dollar, take 40 cents, put it in a jar. And when you have enough to grab some precious metals, do it. American Eagle's Eagle Silver Coin is like 20-some bucks. But as this market and this currency and these rates and all this stuff goes on, you know, the markets are going to drop, which means the value of precious metals is going to go up which means it's going to begin to get prohibitive for us to grab it. The time to grab it is now. It's not going to be any cheaper in the future. This is as cheap as it's going to be. You know, stop thinking about, oh, how cheap it was a couple of years ago. Dollar cost average, which is like if you can do $40 a month, then do $40 a month. If you could do $10 a month, then do $10. Of course you can do $10 a month. <clears throat> grab some silver. Grab some gold. Be careful on the purity. Understand the purity. Do some research. What's 10 carat? What's 24 carat? 24 is whole. So 24 over 14. What's left? 10? That means 14 14 carat gold is less than half gold. There's other metals in it. 10 carat is even less. 18 carat is around 60-something percent, 70 percent. I'm just going off the top of my head. 22 carat is not pure. 24 carat is only pure gold. You only find that in Asian Asian jewelry. Otherwise, you're going to find it in coins and in bars. American Eagle coins, gold bars. You got to make sure it's pure or pure enough. Don't get don't get don't get swindled because what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people coming out here saying that they got they you can get silver and you get gold. It's not going to be pure. It's, it's going to be look. So the reason why I say, you know, dollar cost average every single month, every single week, whatever it is for you, you should be grabbing some precious metals. That's what we can do. That's what we can do. We can't invest a bunch of money in the stock market and, and time it right and make millions of dollars. Like, I, you know, I don't really, I, I can't really see that. 
more than likely I'm not going to invent some medical product, you know, some bionic arm that makes people, you know, veterans able to, you know, hug their families. You know, I'm more than likely not going to be able to do that. But the things that I can do is what I focus on. And what I can do is I can dollar cost average and make sure that my family has precious metals that hold value. It's it's protecting the purchasing power. It's my energy being stored in the, in some gold, in some silver, whatever, however long it took me in my life to earn the currency to get the gold and silver. That energy is stored and can't be taken away, can't be put into negative interest rates. There's no counterparty risk. And as they keep messing with these economies and so on and so forth in the, in the swine flu and the corona, coronavirus with the, you know, you got a, a shot uh, and then a coronavirus chaser, you know, what, you know, all this stuff going on. And I'm not making light of it because people are dying. It's going to make, you know, the markets and worldwide currencies worth less, which is going to raise the value of gold and silver. So it's an insurance for your paper money. You got insurance for everything else. Precious metals are insurance for your paper money. Paper money currency is going to lose value. And what we can do today is grab gold and silver while we can, while it's it's affordable in certain quantities. So, you know, if you're interested in signing up for carrot bars, I mean, you can grab as little as a tenth of a gram. It's like six or seven euros. It's less than ten dollars. And then when you get, you know, ten of those, that's a gram. And it adds up over time and it adds up very quick. And a lot of us be like, Man, it ain't nothing, I ain't gonna do that because not only got a, this much gold, which ain't nothing that people confront on me. Man, look. Playing yourself. This stuff is coming. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. I have no control over the currency. I have no control over the monetary policy. And a lot of us, none of us, none of us do. But this is this is what we use for food, clothing, and shelter, entertainment, to show love to aspire, to invest in business, to invest in our education, to invest in our private education. We all use the same currency that is not under our control. And these, these, the, they're letting us know what they're going to do. I'm, I'm a firm believer in the public puts us on notice, whether we can see it or not, whether we understand the notice or not. I'm a firm believer that the public puts us on notice. They let us know what's going on. We just don't pay attention. And this is me paying attention. This came out last year, 2019. What was it? August 4th or something like that. April, I'm sorry. April 2019, last year. <clears throat> they, got, they got a paper on cashless society, how to move everybody out of currency, demonetizing notes, which means a $100 note. Uh, you guys got $100 bills? Yeah, did you hear the news? I read in the paper today that it, all $100 bills are going to be worthless after February 15th. What? You read that? What? Nah, nah, nah. You do a Google search, sure enough, they put that out. $100 bills are going to be worthless. And that's, that's what we're saving it, man. 
Oh man, imagine it. They did it in India. The two most common denominations of bills, currency, they demonetize them joints. They're doing all this stuff all over the world. It's like little tests. And they're getting all their data and they're figuring out how to do this stuff. And here it comes, man. I ain't trying to scare nobody. I'm 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 here to inform you. I'm here to speak to truth. And you know, as I seek it. And you know, what you can do, because I'm not here to, you know, give the issue, here's the problem, here's what's coming, oh my God, and I give a solution. What you can do is start moving out of paper currency. Start moving your savings out of paper currency. If you got a 401k, call them. Say, hey, can I self-direct the 401k? And they're like, I don't know. You got to talk to someone in human resources. And then you got to call human resources. Hey, human resources, can I self-direct the 401k? I don't know. You got to call the, 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 the fund manager. Well, what, what's the fund manager's number? Here's the fund manager. All right, fund manager. Can I self-direct the 401k? You're going to get a yes or you're going to get a no. If you get a no, I'm sorry. I suggest that you um, take as much money as you can and start grabbing gold and silver. Dollar cost average. Don't go hungry. You know, don't take food off the table. You know, but, you know, we all have expenses that are elected, which means we don't need them. We don't need it. Like, I drink coffee every day. I don't need coffee. I ain't going to die without coffee. I just really like espresso. And, you know, the almond milk mixed with the steam, it tastes really good with the chocolate. Look, I like it. I really, I don't need it. But maybe like $6 a day. So I make my stuff at the crib. But even still, you know, um, I don't, I don't need coffee. And if I wasn't, you know, um, able to dollar cost average in the way that I am, that would be the one of the things I would, I would cut. It's coffee. Until I had enough precious metals that I felt felt like I can grab some coffee. People be hitting me up talking about, yo, so should I buy this stock? Should I get into this? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fam, does your estate have a foundation of real money? Of real money savings? Of a real money holdings? Precious metals outside of the banking system that can't get messed with? And at any point in time, you can introduce it right back into the banking system by cashing it in for Federal Reserve notes and purchasing whatever you need. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I was planning on doing that when I made my first million. Good luck, man. It's all it's all fake. It's all fiction. The phone you're on, the laptop you're on, the computer it's fake. It's fake. It wasn't created by nature. Fiat currency is fake. Gold and silver is real, fam. It's real. It's absolutely real. And I mean, I challenge you to look around you and identify. Honestly, all of the fictions that exist around you, like the house that you're in, the apartment you're in, it was built by man. Houses don't grow out of the ground. It's a construct, technically a fiction. It's a, it's not natural. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, look around you and see how many fictions exist around you and how we just accept them every day. So much so that we have lost, we have ultimately lost the of but we have no, because my people, man, my grandma, my, my, my uncle, my father, all of my elders had gold teeth, gold chains, gold bracelets, gold watches, fam. Like, there was a lot of gold in my household, but it was jewelry, though. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, you know, 
yeah, we like to floss or whatever, but I feel like it's like a uh, um, instinctual understanding that this is actually for real, for real, and this is this is what we floss with, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you know we've somehow traded that into you know name brands, these last names, these names of other people's con- uh, companies, other people's enterprises, other families' enterprises and stuff. It's all cool, it's, you know. The public, we love it. I love it. We all love it, right? I don't love it. I think your responsibility. If you wanna, if you wanna sign up for Carrot Bars, it don't cost you a penny. All you gotta do is buy to go, pay for the shipping when you get it shipped to you. Straight up disclaimer. Email me admin at welcome to the foundation dot com. Send you an email. It'll have a video. You can learn about it. Send you a link. You sign up. Whatever. Do your dance. As little as um, seven, six or seven euros right now. As gold goes up, you know the price goes up. You can't tell me you don't have ten dollars a month. Straight up, or even you know, I would say I would say mm, probably like th- thirty dollars a month minimum, because that way you can get an ounce of silver and like about a tenth of a gram of gold and get your stack on. But look, man, I'm trying to tell y'all, sister, brother, they gonna mess with this currency. They gonna mess with these banks. They gonna mess with the deposit accounts. They gonna mess with the credits and the debits. They got the algorithms that they gonna the credit bureaus are about to implement to catch you know uh, CPNs. You got Social Security Administration is linking up with all these banks to catch CPNs, and they're doing that for a reason. The reason why they're locking it down because they about to do something, and they're trying to plug all the holes so we can't get out. And that's why I be like you know I, occasionally I'll do a show. The public is locking down, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not, look, I'm not a, I'm not a fear monger type dude. I'm a solution based dude. You tell me the problem. First thing I'm going to start talking about is the solution. I ain't going to sit here and, and talk with you and complain with you about how that's messed up. And we, you know, they shouldn't do that. And how dare they? And I don't do that. I'm, I, I'll be on the solution. You want to talk about the problem? I'm, I'm going to excuse myself very politely. But I'm telling you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise and affirm that if you if you dedicate energy to consistently get thirty dollars, as little as ten dollars a month of precious metals, before all this stuff just really starts to get weird, you will have a nice little position to where you're going to be in a better position than 99% of the people around you. And then you got to start thinking about, okay, so how am I going to protect myself? Because eventually these fools are going to figure out that I'm over here getting it. <laughs> I'm just playing. But it, it, it's a real concern. But there's a, there's a wealth transfer that's about to happen. It's happening now. And um, in order to catch a little piece of it, you got to focus on gold and silver and you got to focus on not getting bent and burnt on the deal. You got to focus on whatever price they say, try to get it lower. Don't matter. First, try to get a dollar lower. But if you can get it 50 cents lower, you know, cool. Especially if you go into the We Buy Gold spot, 
They didn't pay the premiums. Don't charge me the premiums, fam. And learn about the premiums because you look at the price of gold in the market and you go buy and they be like spot price. And you be like, what? They be like, yeah, we got to add this much because of the little. And at first, man, I first heard that. I thought you were trying to scam me. I laid in the fam. I felt bad too. I came back and apologized. I wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't cussing at him and threatening him or something, but I, did, I definitely laid in the fam. But, um, you know, educate yourself, but either way, man, get your hands on it. Get your hands on it. Email me, admin at welcome to the foundation.com if you want to um, get in, get into carrot bars. Um, I feel like, you know, as the, the prices go up, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be so scarce. It's gonna blow your mind. It's gonna blow your mind. You can't you're gonna be finding gold, silver nowhere. It's gonna blow your mind. So get, you know, get set up now. Um, I don't know, man. Should I go to the phone lines? I think I'm done. I think I'm out of here. I think I talked a lot. I think I wore your ear out. Um, I definitely want to remind y'all the live recording of the webinar, shake and bake. Layup, Passport, <laughs> No Social Part 2 is this Saturday. If you want to get in on that, email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com. Get you all the information. Uh, make sure you hit welcometothefoundation.com. At least, at the very least, sign up for the email list. But we do offer a free PDF section. You just grab them and go. Download them joints. Uh, yeah, but you don't know what you missed from the email list. And y'all take care of yourself, you know, like, I know things are cool and things, things are always cool until they're not. And as a, you know, a famous uh, philosopher in our culture once said, it was all good just a week ago. Things can change in an instant. Situations can change very quickly. Um, There's riots going on in China because they shut the cities down. And they can't get food into the area, so the grocery stores ran out of food. This is 2020, and it's happening. You know, it's happening right now. And please don't think it can happen to you, because it can. And, you know, if anything happens in this country, we're going to be the first ones to feel it, fam. Think about it. It's going to hit us hard. So... You know, I'm I'm just doing my best to let y'all know. You know, I'm I'm, I'm the homie that says, "Look out, <laughs> look out!" And you know, the car flies by or something like that. And you're like, "Man, thanks, man." And I'm like, "Man, don't worry about it. I'm really like for real. Don't thank me because I don't want to see the mess of you getting tore up. That's thanks enough. You not getting tore up in front of me that I have to I have to witness it. And I hate to see my people in terrible." Positions financially, emotionally, just tears me up, man. Tears me up. I'm gangster as hell. I'm not look, but you know, every man has emotions, and if you're a good man, you don't like to see people hurt, especially people you care about. And I love all y'all. I love all my people, even my people that be looking crazy at me and stuff, and trying to get brolic. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever. I'm always able to diffuse the situation. Because, you know, I don't have that ego in me or, you know, I don't have nothing to prove to nobody. And I know you just really hurt. Most people just really hurt. And they're mad and, and, and been struggling their whole life, and you know, with money and finances and, you know, trying to make a family. But that's hard, and, you know. So most people are just mad. And I feel bad because that's, you know, your life must, must be not that good. 
But we have a choice, you know, and you know, with that choice comes responsibility, but with that choice also comes power. We can lay down and take what we've been getting, or we can stand up and do something about it. And I ain't saying like, you know, just pop off a police or nothing. But we can make moves for ourselves and our family to put us in a better situation. I say one of the biggest things you can do is get life insurance. Even if it hurts, pay the premium. Why? Because in a year and a half, you will live a different lifestyle. You will live a different lifestyle. Of course, get the right life insurance. But you will have a whole different lifestyle. How can you do that for life, off life insurance? I wondered the same thing. I wondered the exact same thing. The exact same thing. But it blows my mind what you know, these things that we don't we're not told how important they are. What's most important, you got Federal Reserve notes in your bank account, you got them in your pocket or in your dresser somewhere. They make look, some things is a liability in your hands because they're a bank asset. So it's a liability to you. What does that mean? Understand that. We supposed to be on assets. The most substantive asset is precious metals at this point in time. And, you know, I can't say it enough. I really can't. Enough enough of us get it. We don't have to worry about using a paper currency. Because I can pay you and still, you know, I can walk in uh, my niggas in silver. And then, you know, the community, like, we don't, you know, we accept silver, we accept gold. And, you know, it starts getting larger and larger. It's like, oh, they accept gold, so a lot of people go there. So, you know, the cat selling the, the sandwiches that don't accept gold, he'd be like, hey, man, you get a lot of business. I accept gold. And so they're going to start accepting gold because they're going to feel like they're losing out of money. We make the choices. Consumers run this world, man, this commercial world. We run this world. But we just don't, we, we don't, we don't get together. And when we start to get together, they do something. But, you know, the so-called black dollar is worth trillions of dollars to the national economy, to the United States, a year. Do your numbers, do your homework. But it does not circulate in our neighborhoods, which is terrible. You know, we got the Arabs at, a, at the grocery store, got the Chinese. Look, fam, and I'm not racist, because I can be. I feel like only Europeans can be racist, so I'm not prejudiced against anybody. You know what I'm saying? But they're close-knit. We ain't. We need to get together. But, you know, ultimately, I digress on a different subject. This subject is about what the banks are planning to do with your money, with your money. It's not a good dance. It's not a dance you want to be a part of. And I'm talking about they going to be stepping on toes and not the way I be talking about. But I'm out of here. Shake and bake layup. Passport, no social. Recording of the webinar. You can get on the webinar. You can ask questions, you know, real time. You can answer the question. Chris is a recluse, man. He ain't trying to, you know, he ain't really about that life. Like, I had to really ask him with the weight of high frequency and Yusuf L all behind me. So, you know, take advantage. I can't guarantee he'll, you know, do anything else. But <clears throat> um, that, I love y'all. I really do. This is why I do this. You know, there'd be days, there'd be, man, I don't want to do the show, but I feel, I feel, I feel such a responsibility because I know y'all looking for me. So, you know, which, you know, it really inspires me to give y'all what I consider the business. 
They can give you the straight business with the biscuit. Like, wow, here you go. Roll off like whoopty. But, you know, look, get out this cash. Do your best. You need my help, email me. Admin at welcome to the foundation.com. If you got this, you got this. No disrespect, you got it. All right, all right, all right, all right you got it. But get ready and teach each one, teach one. You know, you're going to talk to like 10 people and only one to listen. You got to know when to stop talking to people who aren't listening and to talk to the people who are. Because we get frustrated because people don't listen to us. Stop that. Stop talking to them. Talk to the people who are listening. But I love y'all and I, I, I want only the best for y'all. And I trust y'all to have a great week. I trust you enjoy yourself. I trust you, you know, understand the value of precious metals against this paper promises. And um, I would love y'all to say 10 things that you're thankful for before you go to sleep. And, you know, focus on what you can do because there's many things that you can do. And there's many things that are going well. And I'm not going to, me, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not looking to waste my focus on things that don't please me. It actually, that's actually the epitome of irritation. I focus my energy, my mental focus, my emotional focus on those things that please me. And I suggest you do the same. It's hard at first because negativity is addicting. But just work on it as I work on it every day. But with these things, we get better together and we get better as individuals day by day. With that being said, thank you for checking out the foundation. I trust that you got some value from this, you know, episode. And I'll catch you in the future. Here on High Frequency Radio Network. Peace to the gods. High Frequency Radio.